everybody. Thanks for joining. This is my first of very many other sessions on this platform. So um, I was co-hosting with someone on Fireside and then I was invited to be a creator. And when you're a creator, you can make your own show. Um, and I already was doing a podcast. So it just made sense to do something live. And then, um, you know, send it to my podcast after the fact. So um, it's called Smart for a Black Girl. And I chose that name specifically because it's been my experience pretty much my entire life where um, people show microaggression because they don't expect, you know, black women to be intelligent, especially if you look like me with tattoos everywhere and piercings and, you know, just kind of out there so i i chose that to just highlight the experiences of black women especially in white spaces um so that's that so tonight's episode is going to talk about finding comfort in discomfort and looking at that through a social justice lens and what that means is um looking at the inequities and acknowledging those and then just looking at like what actions can be taken um, for systemic change, right? So, um, and if you're in the audience, you can always come up. Like you can always request to speak. Um, you can you can message. You can be interactive, or I might pick on people specifically too if you're, you know, pretending to be shy. Um, so finding finding comfort in discomfort. Um, one of the reasons I picked this topic is because, um, you know, as a minoritized person or from a minoritized group, we already have cards stacked against us, right? The system is built so that our entire life is discomfort. And the ultimate goal is that we are dismantling the system, but that takes time it takes a lot of allies it takes a lot of resources and most of the time money that we do not have so until we can get to that goal we still have to figure out how to survive right um and you know we want to get to the level where we're just thriving but that takes a lot of steps and patience so i just kind of wanted to talk about you know different ways that people have kind of worked through discomfort and um just take take almost taking their power back to get where they are um, in whatever way. So you can share personal experiences. You can just have a discussion about it. And, and I want this to be like super, super conversational, just, just flow, just very natural. Um, so yeah, that's my little spiel. So again, thanks for being here. And yeah, let's have a chat. So Rev, you're quiet. <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you now. Excellent. Yeah, I was kind of busy setting up the uh, the little the studio here because I realized, oh, I can even though we're not going to do video, I can still use the computer and the better microphone and all that stuff. So I am really um, just excited that you have kind of asked me to be here with you and co-host a little or help produce and just really excited about what you're going to bring to the table, having a little, but not much more experience with fireside than 
you do. I know these um, conversations in the beginning as we're trying to build some audience and stuff can sometimes just be you and me or <laughs> sometimes if you start these by yourself, just by yourself. But I am I am right here with you and, and ready to discuss it. I love the the topic. Uh, I wish that we didn't have to cover things like microaggressions. One of our interns at our nonprofit years ago, she's got a, I think she's got her PhD now. She did, um, I think her master's thesis was around microaggressions and she kind of speaks in lectures still about them. And I think, you know, people, you know, do not know in a lot of ways what a, you know, a microaggression is and it, and it can be something as simple as the assumption that someone is, um, a nurse, for example, when they're a doctor, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, it is something that we do, even myself who is aware of my implicit bias, who's aware my amygdala is a whiny little scared brat and that I need to be uh, cognizant of that in, in certain situations, you know, the microaggressions are, can be almost subconscious. You have to really pay attention uh, to what you're doing. And, and it takes a little bit of, takes a little bit of conscious effort. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I know I'm, I've been inviting people up to speak and you guys are purposefully, or maybe you don't know, but if it will send you a notification if you've been invited up to speak. So um, don't be, don't be nervous or anything like this is just having a normal conversation. The only difference is that, you know, it's live and other people can hear you. Um, But yeah. So I just kind of want to hear about some of your experiences in, dealing with discomfort um and until people come up i can just speak of my own um and you know i've kind of gone through the ringer i've been in school for more more than i can even remember um but i've been very lucky to always have opportunities whether it's academic or through sports um that just kind of help propel but one of the other reasons for you know my continued success is um, being flexible or, or adaptable, right? So for example, I don't pick where I'm going to live based on the weather or, you know, the type of city that it is. I, wherever the oppor- the best opportunity is, that's where I go, regardless of those factors. Because, you know, I just, I'll just make it happen. I'll make it work. And I think, you know, part of that mindset comes from not having anything growing up, you know, being poor and just making whatever that you have work. So I've used that even now in my, you know, in my academic or in my professional life where I don't even care um, where the experience is. As long as it's, it's, it's one of my goals or as long as I'm getting for moving forward, like I'm going to go. Um, but I'd love to hear, from other people about, you know, just how, how you've maneuvered certain situations um, when, you know, you're not comfortable or it's not really what you want, but um, you figure that the end goal is going to get you closer to where you need to be. So you sort of pick, you know, your goal over your feelings or your comfort. I think that um, I was just talking to somebody recently because I have these conversations all the time. Hey, what's up, Rock? Rock Steady's down there. Good to see you, buddy. The um, We have, uh, I grew up 
pretty darn privileged, grew up upper middle class and watched uh, kind of the decline of 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 what my father was um, ha- having had success. But after I was gone, but even though I was homeless, even though I've had even some rough times having lost my business to COVID and starting this new this new venture, I've never had a scarcity mindset. My mindset has, it's funny sometimes, I'm like, dude, you're totally broke. You need a scarcity mindset sometimes. But but so much of the what, you know, our mindset and how we grow up and those places that we come from and what we think we are can really affect uh, what we do. Uh, and that um, that you make the choice to go where the work is good and the work is right. I think that's I think that's a good way to do it. It'd be nice if the work is good and the work is right in Southern California or Miami or somewhere warm. But, uh, you know, I think where you go, uh, you'll be improving that place anyway, because you're pretty amazing. Um, thank you. And, and I think it goes both ways. Right. So you're always sacrificing something for something. So if I'm going somewhere, the you know, the weather's kind of icky, small town, not a lot of diversity. I know part of my mental health will suffer. Um, so I'm always, so regardless of where I go, if I pick somewhere based on like location, but the quality of my experience is going to suffer. So, you know, it's give and take and weighing your options to see like, what are you willing to sacrifice? Um, and for those that are just joining, we're just talking about ways in which we've found comfort in discomfort. So, um, just trying, trying to maneuver the system and, you know, getting towards your goals, even if it's not in a way that we would prefer. So if you'd like to share your experience, I would love to hear. Thank you for inviting me up on stage. I appreciate that. Nice to meet you. I haven't met you along the, li- along the way here yet. Um, mm-hmm. Ket is a, quite a nice name. Never heard of that before either. Um, Thank you. So I've just joined the conversation, literally just dropped into the room. Uh, so I'm trying to read the room a little bit here. So you're talking about situations where um, – you've had misfortune, but tried to uh, get a positivity out of it. Is that what you're talking about? Um, yeah, pretty much. Or, or situations where, you know, the entire system is kind of stacked against you and just finding um, different ways to still get to your goal because changing the system is something that takes a very long time and a lot of resources. So even though that's what we would prefer to do, it's not something that's going to happen right now. And until then, you have to figure out how am I going to survive until I get to the place where I'm actually thriving and living how I really want to. Okay. So, yeah, I, I do have a little story, actually. So, um, I, I'm married to a, a Thai citizen, Thai national, um, and we actually lived in Thailand for six years. Uh, we had our kids there. Um, the system's definitely against you as a Westerner in, in uh, an Asian country like Phuket, where we lived in Thailand. Now, uh, luckily, I was with her. That really helped grow businesses and things over there because you really don't stand much of a chance otherwise. So we did that. Over over that six-year period, we built um, businesses. I had a uh, sensory deprivation um, center where people would come and it's like a relaxation place. Um, built this business up and sold it for good money afterwards. And we reinvested everything back into starting a tattoo brand called Inked in Asia over there. And uh, it's extremely competitive over there for something like that. Now, um, we, in, in an 18-month period, we did really well. Um, within 12 months, we were ranked number three. 
we'd started our second studio. Things were going really well, really for, I wouldn't say the first time in my life, but success was definitely there in what we were doing. Um, and we decided that we'd come back to Australia because my son was just turning five and it would be a better life for him here compared to over there to grow up. Now, we packed everything up and we started to sell some of our stuff from our house, our car, everything like that. And we're going to have the businesses running. We got back and two weeks later, COVID hit, completely wiped us out. And, and because we invested everything back into those businesses and we lost it due to COVID, I was wiped out financially back to zero. And, and it was really a tough pill to swallow with so much work that had been put into it over that amount of time. And with COVID hit and we just had a fresh start back in Australia, you know, and I now have two kids and a wife. I, I, I really start to stress, but I didn't, I actually wore that loss pretty well, but it was more the stress of what are we going to do? How are we going to build that future for the family? Now, um, I was forced to sort of go back on the tools doing like handyman work, stuff I hadn't done for over a decade. I was used to now running businesses with teams of people, working with people, and then I'm physically dying because it was it was <laughs> such hard work to go back to what I used to do a long time ago uh, and, and not have built it up over that time. So it okay. was just about making do with the market or what happened with COVID. COVID's a shitty thing. Um, it's nothing we can control. So instead of, instead of sitting there crying over, over spilt milk, it was just uh, finding the next thing to do that was going to work. So I did do that. So uh, I built a little business up with handyman business. But because I was trying to play catch up so much, because we lost so much, I was trying to work extra hours. I wasn't looking after my health. I was really uh, just trying like to make a base again the for the family. Mm -hmm. Sorry? Like, uh, so you're pretty much burning the oil. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I ended up having a heart attack. So I'm 40 and I had a heart attack uh, seven months ago. And that was a huge shock. That was something I didn't even think was possible at my age. Uh, and, and it made me realize more so, even though I was aware before that every day is a blessing now from this point forth. But mm -hmm. um, this has been the best summer of my life with my family because we got to do all those little things. And we're not out there spending money now. We are doing things like we're going out to the beach and we're going fishing and we're doing all these little things together. That means so much more to me now than money ever could 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 matter, you know. Right. And so to get the positivity out of that, I'm just feel blessed that we're still here today to have these experiences because I just couldn't imagine my kids being raised right now without their father, you know. Mm -hmm. so, and then yeah. you know, even though it was you know such a tragic or traumatic thing that happened, it was such a reminder to like slow down and be in the moment. A hundred percent. That's that's really what. Because, uh, you know, when, when we lost so much financially, everyone's going, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I'm like, it's really cool. It's not, it's not a cool thing, but I'm, I'm totally fine about it because we're still here. We still got our health. The, the, mm -hmm. the uh, decision to come back was better to be in Australia due to COVID for the options that we had. But then I didn't have my health in the end. You know, it was something that hit and I was like, wow, without your health, you really got nothing. Exactly. Because, you know, if you're, if, if you're not here or if you're not able to really enjoy whatever it is you're working for, and then it's, it's sort of meaningless in the end. It's just, it's just sad that we have to go through so many of the hard things we go through to learn the lesson. I wish they were more positive or like more, um, like just better ways to learn the same lesson. Rock, I would just want to say uh, 
Sorry to hear about all that, man. And, you know, continuing uh, to send you good vibes. You know, one of the things when I was homeless, one of the biggest things that I learned, well, first grab the first rock bottom you can. I bounced about four more times down, I think, but that no one individual day is going to take me down. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, one will eventually <laughs> the last one. But but before that, you know, one individual day. And I love that your attitude is, you know, we're, we're going to get through this. We've gotten through the days before we've gotten this far and no one individual day is going to at all take you down. And so I, I love your your attitude and your your ferocity um, around, you know, keeping going. And it's a you know. This planet is not that, easy and, and it's, and, and it's a lot easier right. sometimes for, for people like me, but, um, it is, it is a tough place and I love your spirit and attitude, man. And I didn't know that about you. I really appreciate that you're sharing it on this platform. Mm-hmm. No, not a problem, man. And I didn't know that you were, you, you were homeless either. That's, that's, that's fascinating for me to hear because, uh, I hear your positive attitude and how you speak with people. I really love the way that you talk here, Rev. Uh, I think you got, loads of potential in podcasting and the positive thing about something when you've had when you've been confronted with something like death potentially um is that this is really it's really the moment from when this heart attack happened that i really hit the podcasting world because it's like something i love it's a passion and some might think it's selfish because i'm not i'm not putting as much effort into work right now as i am with podcasting i love this game so much and I really want to make it here somehow. I don't have to. I don't have to earn a hundred million dollars like Joe Rogan. If I could earn something just to get me by and get the family by and do this as as actual as, as a job, I'd be doing my dream job. I really would be. Now, um, I did have a point with. Well, saying oh, that's right. I think you're going to get there. By the way, my friend, and anything I can do to help, uh, I want to be right. Thank you, man. And we should be trying to do things together, I think, because you definitely got that potential also. Now, um, one, one really important thing that you said is like, is not letting one day at a time beat you. Now, it's, it, I think it's, there's no other attitude to have except for that, which is great. But a lot of people don't realize that, that when things get down, they let it get to them and they dwell on it. And you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to give it some time to, to get over it. But people sit and live in that moment forever. It's like shit happens. It's going to pass, just gets through it and get to the next stage. Just as much as something really good happens, it's not going to be on a high forever as well. It's going to come back down. And those fluctuations in life is really when we get to the end of our life and reflect that that's what we call life. You know, I, I, don't, I think if everything was always good or always medium or always bad, um, we would never know the difference of comparison. So it's always trying to strive for those high moments. Then you hit a low moment. You know where to strive for the high moment. You know how to stay away from the low moment. It's a constant game of fluctuation that you need to, mm-hmm. to go through. I mean, and I think part of it too is really like knowing yourself, right? Because it's so easy for us to give advice and say, do this or do that. But the, the, the fact of the matter is it doesn't work for it. The same thing will not work for everyone. Um, you know, and for some people, like they take a very short amount of time and they bounce right back and staying busy is what keeps them going while there are people that need to take a break because, um, you know, that's what their body needs. They just need to breathe and, you know, refresh and then go again. So part of it is just really, really um, getting to know yourself and what specifically works for you. 100%. Absolutely. I think, I think that's a great attitude too because 
one of the things that's happening, I think, with people like Rock and, and now even your, yourself and you have your podcast and, and doing broadcasting, a lot of people think, well, you need to come up on stage and be a broadcaster and bury your soul. No, you don't, actually. You need to find what works for you. So I think a lot of times some of the folks that are trying to help somebody, and you know, we do the Positivity Vibe Tribe on uh, Twitter Spaces with my friend Indra, uh, it doesn't, you don't have to emulate anybody. You can, it can help sometimes, but you really do. You're, you're hundred percent right. You have to find out who you are. It's like when I was homeless, I get really upset when somebody would say to me, dude, you have to love yourself. You have to find that about yourself or you can't help anybody else. And I'm like, no, 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 that sounds way too jealous. But it really wasn't until I learned in my case that I did love myself. I just didn't see it and I had to be able to recognize it. But it really took a little time for me to realize I need to be in the best shape I can to be there for others. Doesn't mean I can't be there some, but I really need to be who I am and know who I am and know my intrinsic value. And that is going to make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. uh, Miss Natalie, thanks for coming up. Would you like to speak? Sure. Uh, thank you for inviting me up. Um, I have I'm still mulling around that idea of how do you make yourself um, face it when you're in an uncomfortable situation. Um, and I have two instances that I think I can draw upon. Uh, right before the COVID-19 pandemic and the eventual shutdown, I was a theater worker. I had taught. Uh, for six years. And then I moved into our theater association to be their education and engagement coordinator. And I got to do that for about two years. And I was so grateful to get out of teaching because I was experiencing strong teacher burnout that every day I woke up telling myself, this is my dream job and I'm finally living the dream. And I get to work in theater every day and be creative every day and be in the room where it happens, if we want to quote Lin-Manuel Miranda tonight. Um, and then the shutdown happened. And live theater can't thrive in a pandemic if we all have to be home. So I was eventually laid off. And I, and I was unemployed for a year. But what that year allowed me to do um, was it allowed to let, let me ground myself in my talents and my gifts. And I realized that I, in my life, have done a lot of facilitating for other people to be creative, but I've never had the time to explore my own creativity. Um, so I started the podcast, I did the artist way for 12 weeks, and I really just focused in on myself. Well, now we're sitting in 2022, and I wish I was more comfortable in my circumstances, but I also on my podcast refer to my workplace as my toxic workplace. Um, I'm still very much in a position where I am handing over my labor for not a lot of money so other people can make money. I'm still very much in a position where the pettiness or the anxieties of other people have a lot to do with my day or how successful I can be. And I'm just really done tolerating it. 
So like you, Rock, I can't wait for the day where podcasting leads me into the lifestyle that I want to be living every day, which is creating and networking and talking to people who push me forward in my creativity. Thanks for sharing. Um, But yeah, I definitely can understand your frustration and, you know, why you'd, um, you know, prefer to move towards more creative jobs that are directly benefiting you instead of always building people up and then, you know, getting burnt out or getting left behind. So thanks for sharing. Thank you for giving me a platform to share. Of course. I literally, I just texted you real quick. I'm going to be back in five minutes. I just have to do the bedtime story to the, Mm -hmm. to the little one and I will, but I can hear it. Oh, no problem. No problem. And also my batteries, my batteries almost like done. So I'm going to have to plug in. Uh, I'll be listening. I just got to plug in. I can't have the headphones in at the same time. It's anything. I'll step down. No Um, problem. Um, If anyone else wants to come up, please just let me know. And you are more than welcome to do so. Um, so as we're talking, you know, about finding comfort and discomfort, the other thing I was thinking about too is uh, creating your support system. So for me, most like I don't believe in self-made. Um, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think it's um, you know, at one point in your life, at least one person had to help you to get where you are. Like you cannot, no one is self-made. That's not a thing. Anyways. Um, uh, most of my success, especially, um, you know, ac- in academics, I would say comes from my support system. Um, I'm very transparent. So, you know, when I'm having my meltdowns or health issues or anything it is, I have my support system right there. And I have different people for different things. And I think that's, that is so, so important. Um you know, I have people for when I just want to complain without people telling me what I'm supposed to be grateful for or, you know, seeing the good. Like some days I just need to complain and get it out. And then I have people that will tell me when I just need to get over it and keep pushing. You know, when you need that tough love, I have my people for that. Um, You know, when I'm too depressed to even function or eat or get out of bed. I have people for that. So it's just like surrounding yourself with different types of supports that you can draw to um, when you need to, but also making sure that you are pouring into those supports as well, right? Um, you're not just take, take, take. It's it's a give and take type of relationship. Um, I do, and I'll go to the lens to get that done. Like I will literally write in my planner, like check in with this person. Or check in with that person just so I remember because you know life happens and sometimes we get so so busy that we don't remember. So I will put it in my planner like this is a check in on your friend's day. And if I'm too busy, then it's gonna be a social media post and I'm just gonna tag all of them and it's just gonna be like, Okay, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What can I do to support you? type of thing. So I think just having, you know, a good support system goes a very, very long way. Another one I can think of is like believing in yourself, right? So um, before I applied to my PhD program, which is, you know, I have my PhD in psychology. However, before then, I had no degree in psychology. 
So when I'm applying to my PhD programs, people are like, how can you apply for a PhD in something that you don't even have a degree in? And I'm like, well, I mean, all I have to do is just learn. Um, And that's the attitude I went in with. So, you know, when I had my interviews, I'm like, I may not have this background or I haven't learned this yet, but I can always learn it when I'm there. And I, I use that in every part of my life. Like, if I don't know something, it's fine. I'm just going to have to learn it. Um, and, you know, growing up the way I did, um, the type of people that I'm around now are way different than before. So there are certain words that I am just learning or certain things that people my age know that I am just learning. And that's fine. Like, you know, you, like whenever I learn it, I learn it. So and, I, and that, that has opened a lot of doors for me personally because like I don't see anything that's too good for me like no um as long as I have the skills and I'm willing to work and willing to learn then I'm gonna apply I like I don't care if I qualify or not as long as I can learn it when I'm there then I'm gonna go for it I think (laughs) Dr. Combs how many degrees do you have uh five and I'm done (laughs) so that's good. Five, and you're done. That's four more than most people, and three more than a lot of people, and only like two percent of people, I think, have a PhD. And you have a couple of those advanced degrees. And one of the things that I really like about you is that um, is that attitude that you have. You know that that if you don't know it, you will learn it, and that won't stop you. Because I think a lot of people get stopped when they're like, ah, I just, I don't know that. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And you just plow right through. So wherever you came from and however you got there, it has been a huge advantage to you. And like I said, that's, I, you know, I think that's just amazing. And, it, and it's one of the reasons why I'm really glad that, that we have been able to connect and, and work on these things and do these things together. And then I'm super stoked because you come on the show that I'm doing or we're doing together to co-host and literally the next day they like, Made you a creator. So right? somebody. This is crazy knew. because I did not even apply. I know. But I'm grateful. Well, I think somebody realized, wow, this person is is really got it and really knows uh, a lot. And that's a testament, I think, to just who you are. And I think that is amazing. And I'm super stoked about it. Right. I, I mean, and a lot of these things are not just things I woke up and knew how to do. Like there's skills that someone must have taught me along the way. And then. I just keep, you know, practicing it. So being an athlete, um, a lot of what I do now is still, you know, it's diff- It's in a different setting, but it's still what I did when I was an athlete. So a lot of things that my coach taught me in sports, I carried over, you know, to my career or other places. Well, tell um, everybody about your, your sports history there a little bit. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I was a runner back in the day. Back in the day for you, this was, you know, not that long ago compared to back in the day with me. But anyway, <laughs> keep going. But I was a runner and I'm actually a five-time All-American. But that, that's like back in the day. Um, and now I'm on the academic side. So currently um, interviewing for postdoc fellowship positions. And um, so on Friday, I had interviews with Harvard and Stanford, which was really cool. And... Um, no, so I'm going to see how it goes this week. Well, that um, Harvard and Stanford, 
I mean, it's no small potatoes. And did you see how she just kind of brushed off the five-time All-American? So, just saying. <laughs> I'm old now, so I don't like talking about it as much. But but I do want to, before I even move on, I do want to acknowledge that, like, um, there's a lot of privilege that goes with my success. And I don't want to invalidate people that do not have as much access to resources or... Um, you know, their personality is not as, I don't know how to say, like, I don't know, charming maybe. I don't know. There are certain things that I naturally do that maybe get me certain opportunities that other people don't get. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, um, I, think that's, so I think that's a fair a thing to say. Yeah, so there's a lot of privilege that goes with me being as successful as I am and the opportunities that I get. Um, so I don't want to make it seem like, well, I just work hard and I and I got this. Like, no, I mean, a lot of it is hard work and some of it is luck and some of it is just like, you know, like thinking outside of the box. So I don't want to invalidate other people's experiences. Um, so let me. I also want to say, too, that just that idea about luck, because I say this a lot, is that, you know, I don't shoot if I could. I mean, boy, I guess my life would be different if I could make luck happen, but, but you could be close to it. You know, if, if luck is in New York and you're in Chicago and you can get to uh, Cleveland and be a little closer to luck when it strikes, it can make a difference and you can set yourself into a position to really be ready for when luck strikes. And I think that's what a lot of people really need to understand is be ready. You know, it's like the Oprah effect, be ready to go, to go viral because when it happens, you're going to need to be prepared. Right. But that's also if it happens, because it doesn't always happen for everyone. Correct. You know, there's certain people where it's just like, no matter how bad something happens, like something better is going to happen. And that just follows them throughout their entire life. And we, we can't, we don't know how that happens. We don't understand it, but it's just how it is. Um, and for, like opportunities is like that for me. Um, I, like when I and part of it is I'm very intentional about building my network and so if I meet someone and I think like oh this might be a cool idea or we could do this I'm very intentional about following up and securing that connection and and I and I do that with everyone everywhere I go um, so that does I can be a, I can testify to that <laughs> so that does help you know with creating your network and because then you have more opportunities. Right. But I, I do think it's it's important to realize like sometimes luck or whatever it is that you call it, that does play a role and we're not all equal in that aspect. Um so yeah. So yeah, um that's the other strategy I want to talk about. Just like having your support system or like networking. Like those are two two really big and very, very important ones. And then like believing in yourself, like Every most of what you do is was a skill that was taught to you, and if you like, as long as you have the capacity to learn, then you can learn anything and you can do it. It's probably going to be really hard and it's going to suck, but it's it's not impossible. And you know, once when you believe in yourself and you're talking to someone else, then like they, it's it's more likely that they'll believe in you. But if you're doubting yourself, like they'll know because you know that that's just how your body language is going to read. So regardless of what it is, when I'm interviewing, you will think I'm an expert on everything there is because, you know, I'm just going to go in there like, okay, here we go. Um, and then the other part is like, I'm very transparent about what I don't know. 
you know, because if I tell you, like, these are my areas of strength and then here's where I need to improve, you you know, it's more likely that you, you're not even going to see it as a weakness. Because if I'm highlighting that I need to work on these, then it's more of a goal than it is a weakness, if that makes sense. So, um, you, you know, like maximizing your strengths and just being open and transparent about areas of growth and being willing to work on those. Like, it's fine. Everybody has them. So, you know, once you know what yours are, that even makes it so much better. How did you, how did you start to kind of understand that about yourself? What, when did those things, you know, start to come um, to you I in think, this journey? So, so I, I like to think like, I got to know myself when I started college in 2008 um, because, you know, my coach, my college coach is probably one of my favorite human in the entire world. Like I would give him a kidney or whatever it is that he needs because he introduced me to myself pretty much Um, just like his way of communicating and like just the pureness of like how much he cared and, see your potential and just how you operated made me realize so much that I didn't know. So I pretty much ha- like re- like had to learn about myself all over again, but in a more positive light. And then even like thinking about things I wasn't good at, like just the way he would frame those, like this is what we're going to work on. So it's not a weakness, it's an area needing improvement. Um, and then those just really stuck with me and I carry them throughout my life. Um, and then, you know, that- part of my training is being strength-based. Like I, I'm a strength-based psychologist, so um, I don't really look at things as weakness. They're always just skills that need to be developed pretty much. Well, that is, a, um, that would be, that would be an interesting practice too, from the perspective of, of, you know, helping people further themselves and that you had that, that mentor in a coach that could help you realize that and realize the speed that you obviously had and the abilities that you had, uh, you know, which you surely had to get into that program, but then to be able to grow beyond that. I mean, I think that that is something that we can definitely give back to people as well, which is that mentorship, that, that, um, a, you know, that reaching back or reaching over or reaching out to someone. And, you know, we don't, we don't want to pull anybody up. We want to help them lift themselves up. Right. Mm-hmm. And for those that are, that are just joining, um, we are talking about finding comfort in discomfort. So figuring out how to survive in a system that's typically stacked against minoritized populations um, a system that we can't just change right now. So just figuring out how to maneuver and get where you need to be until, you know, the circumstances change. Because we can't just wait um, and, you know, for, for the system to be dismantled. Like, it's 2022, and <laughs> we've been waiting for a very, very long time. Because, you know, people with majority of the power and resources want the system to stay how it is. So it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time. So until then... How do you make sure that you're surviving? Like, what are you doing? How do you handle setbacks? How do you handle, like, things that are unusual or things you're not familiar with? And the dismantling of the the system, too, 
to not to not necessarily delve into the you know into into some of these things you know politically but um you know for me it's not ally it's it's co-conspirator conspirator and that um idea of i love a good guru a good zen master that can walk up the mountain sit on a rock and concentrate or stand in tree pose for 12 hours a day and and try to figure out the meaning of existence, the meaning of life, but most of us don't have that kind of time or maybe live on a mountain where they can sit on a rock. But it is, I think for me, very effective to try to find the meaning in your life. That's a good pursuit, I think, for most people. Right. And it, and it does help. Like, so, you know, some of us do work because we just need, we need a paycheck to pay our bills. Like it's really that simple. And some of us are very fortunate to do work that, um, is purposeful and intentional and it's it reflects what we want to achieve or what we what the meaning of our specific life is um, but not all of us get to do that right and it's easier it's, for me especially it's easier when I'm doing work that I feel like is aligned with my purpose um, because even if it's a setback or a frustration or whatever I'm still doing what I want to do or what I think I should be doing Versus if I was just doing a job just because it's a job, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. I keep forgetting to unmute my monkey and I don't need to mute my monkey. I have a very sophisticated audio system and you shouldn't <laughs> be able to hear me unless I'm talking. <laughs> right. Hi, Jill. Thanks for joining. Hi. Like well, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. You're, the show is sounding great and I agree with everything you just said about, um, you know, doing what we can to, to survive in a system designed to work against us. Do you have any um, specific experiences that you can think about where um, it's like riddled with discomfort or frustration and you just had to figure out like how to make it work? Yes, I have plenty. My entire career <laughs> has been that way. Um, I have worked as a, I, I'm a former journalist turned professor turned creative writer. Um, and when I was a journalist, it was really hard to be in a newsroom pitching stories that no one else understood unless they looked like me. Um, so many times what I felt was news, they just didn't understand the story and therefore dismissed that it was a story. Or in the stories that were covered, the way they were covered uh, was problematic to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I worked um, as a producer so that I would have some say as to how things were broadcasted. Right. So is, it was, is, it a sense, is it like the, is it like an issue of like not being culturally sensitive where, where if they don't think it's a story, it's almost, it's almost like erasure, you know, like it's not, it's removing a certain population or a certain culture. Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely agree uh, that many times I, f I felt I wasn't invisible. They definitely saw me, but no one wanted to hear me. So to me, that's the problem with, you know, it's not enough to, to have diversified workforces. 
um, you, you have to include mm-hmm. people of all populations into, you know, whatever it is you're, you're brainstorming about. Right. It's like the, it, it reminds me of when, you know, they say like inviting people to the table, um, but then also giving them the opportunity to speak. You know, it's one thing <laughs> right. to be at the table and, they, and then you're mute. What, what, right. what, what sense does that make? Right. So the way I survived was I made my own table. Right. And I mean, and that's like the ultimate goal, right? So if, you know, if, if things aren't going like you want them to, and you have the experience and the knowledge and the resources to, to reinvent yourself and reinvent what you want to do, like that's the best way to go because then, you know, you can, you can lead and model whatever behavior it is that you would have wanted where you were. Absolutely. Yes. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing. Joe, what did you, what are you doing? What are you doing now? And and I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, I'm a professional writer, freelance writer and editor, and I'm also an instructor for uh, a local university where, but my students are not college students anymore. My students are employees of corporations. Nice. And the, um, would definitely love for you to, uh, Follow me on some of the socials and, and get to know a little bit about what you're doing and see if I can amplify your impact out there in any way. And it's always just neat to, uh, especially writers, uh, especially writers that know how to write. I have a learning mm-hmm. disability. I don't, <laughs> they don't call it that anymore, but in, uh, in writing and stuff. And I've become an, a very good writer actually, because I, I have to work so hard at it. I have to concentrate so hard to do it. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. I would, I would love that. I, I consider um, what I do with writing uh, to be a form of activism. Um, it's my way of being an everyday activist. Ooh, I love that. I did my first bit of activism when I was about 10 after seeing Ralph Nader on the Johnny Carson show and have been a professional activist. I mean, I started getting paid for it when I was 18. Not much. They didn't pay me much. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been doing that a long time. I'm, I'm half activist, half entertainer. Uh, wait, that doesn't leave all the other halves or the 97 <laughs> other things that I do. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. Um, I hope we can chat more in the future and maybe collaborate. Um, because one of, so for my dissertation, I created a training or workshop intervention, whatever you want to call it, that teaches cultural humility and it teaches people how to make sure that their environments are pro-social and a positive climate. Um, also, it teaches like you know building genuine relationships and um, creating spaces that have a sense of belonging with like inclusive practices. So, um, you know, part of what literally what you went through is kind of what my intervention is trying to change, and it's mostly um, you know aimed at educators, but it can be used in any context, really. Um, so, yeah, we can definitely chat about it sometime. I would love that. Thank you both for, for letting me talk. Well, of course. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I'm going to leave the stage now. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, Doctor? anybody else want to come up? We have a couple, you know, we have like 10 minutes or so. 
um, that we can wrap up and talk about different strategies. And I'm just curious, Doctor Combs, how are you digging this? This is your first. This is your first show here on Fireside. So, what are you feeling? Oh, I like it. I mean, I have a podcast though, so right. It's it's different because it's you know live and more interactive with different people. But I really do like it. It is a it is a really interesting place. I'm. Trying to be there on uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Well, in fact, I think you're going to be on one of those days uh, with me. And and that's going to make it a lot easier to kind of have a, a team of people that I'm doing stuff with. And I really uh, appreciate that. And it looks like we have... Uh, we have uh, Two people can speak. Yay. Okay. Can you hear me? This is Anthony. I can hear you. Great. I am the other half of Jill that you just spoke to. I noticed. Oh, <laughs> See, yeah, you have to pay attention. I did not notice. <laughs> oh, 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 see, well, now we know who's paying attention. Okay. Right. All right. So on this subject, you know, we we had a uh, we had this topic earlier this week uh, with uh, Susan and Jeff Blunt, um, and there was a question asked. And uh, by one of the listeners, and it was a question that her sister had asked. And the question was, why can't we just get over it? You know, why can't we just, why do we have to keep talking about slavery and what we've been through? And why are we still complaining about it? Why, why, why? Well, I had an answer to that. The, the, the answer is that, we're still going through it. Right, exactly. It's not every day we experience. Um, so I'm, I'm also a spoken word uh, poet. And one of the things I, I say in one of my poems is, I love this country. I'm its battered child. This mm-hmm. country has been pulling me up and beating me down from my birth to my death. Look how it protects me while it chains me to its past. So it describes how I feel about this country, because I really do love this country. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter what. I've worked for myself most of my life. And I've been successful enough to get my kids through school and their uh, physical therapists and, and attorneys and their great kids and all of that. But if it weren't for people knocking me down just because of the color of my skin, I would be far beyond where I am now. Right. So so there are contracts I could have gotten that I didn't get specifically because I was black. You go into a meeting and someone that's white won't even acknowledge that you're in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've been living this my whole life and I'm used to it, but I don't like it. Right. But yet right. I still expect it. I know it's coming, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, and the effect is no less damaging, right? There's a lot exactly. of internalized, there's a lot of internalized things that happen to us. And, you know, we, we, we pretend to brush it off or we think we brush it off, but then our behavior changes because yes. of experiences, even if it's subconsciously. And, you know, I, 
it annoys me when people say, well, you guys keep talking about it. So that's why it won't go away. No, it won't go away because it's ingrained in every single system. So yeah. everywhere we go, it's either implicit or explicit. You know, yes. it's, or if, if it's changed, the only thing that's changed is it's rewrapped in something else. So, for example, you know, before it was like whites and blacks or whatever. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, the schools are fully integrated now. Uh, no, they're not. It's called zoning now. Where exactly. if you live in a rich community, you have access to a better school with better resources and better teachers. So who do you think is going to have better, you know, opportunities? Like everything, like everything changed, but it remained the same. Yes, so, because yes, and all of that was created by red lines. Right. Okay. Uh, determining who's going to live where and and all of that. So it's it's all the same. There's nothing have, has changed. We had this it's discussion in a packaged really. We had this discussion at a Twitter Spaces just a couple of days ago. In fact, we had a great discussion today on on reparations on Twitter Spaces. But the, you know, uh, the uh, sitting in front of a bunch of kind of like the Joe Walsh's of the world, the guys that supported Trump and then you know realized what a you know what a, a, a thing he was. But the um, the idea that you know our Constitution doesn't acknowledge you know people of color it doesn't acknowledge women the foundation the government the law in this country is based to do one thing and one thing only which is to make rich white landowners richer and when you're not even acknowledged in a document i'm not sure the document is really valid or could even be amended it might be nice if we started over in that regard Right. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> but, but, but think about you know how much, think about how much that influences, you know, all of the practices and the policies in everything, in education, in healthcare, in where you work, in in literally in everything, you know. And they like to talk about like the achievement gap of students. Um, yeah, there's a gap because you keep taking black kids out of the classroom and suspending them for things that their white peers are also doing. So that's why there's this disproportionality. So there's always something um, that, pe you know, people don't want to acknowledge the root cause. It's always like, well, maybe this or maybe that. Like, no. No. <laughs> no. no. Yes. That's why, that's why we need to keep talking about it. Um, yeah. You know, because bringing, bringing these, these ideas and, you know, our experiences Put in, put in voices to it. It's not just something that you read in a book or something that they can just show black and show in black and white to make us think it's been, you know, very long when it's really not that long. But if you put a picture in black and white, guess what? Your brain registers that as way back in the day. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to take myself off the stage so Natalie can get a chance. Well, so thanks it's great. For being up will... here, Anthony. Thanks for. Uh, thank you, Anthony. All right. Thank you. I just want to say real quick, Dr. Combs, the um, say hi to my friend Stephanie Jansen, who's like she is like she's just she's the best broadcaster on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. Amazingly talented human being, and I and I love you to death, Steph. And I had that I ran that room today, and I I think I sent you a tweet that I said I almost felt like must be what it feels like to be you because we did a we had a good job and it was a fun time. But um, well, uh, that's what you told me about uh, the space was that yeah yeah. Hi, Stephanie. That's awesome. And uh, hello, Natalie. 
Hi. I was honestly just making sure that you had someone up here with you for the last 10 minutes. But, and then Anthony did a really great job and did some spoken word, which I am a huge geek about spoken right? word. Right. And his voice, like his voice is oh. so soothing and like powerful. And I was just like, I was, I was also like fangirling and like soaking mm-hmm. it into. I'm glad it's not just me. I was going to circle back to the idea of the support system because I am guilty of this all the time. When I know that people who are in my circle are not actually my support system and yet I'll be at a moment of weakness and almost want the thrill or the anxiety or adrenaline rush of making sure that no, not only do I feel weak, but I'm going to have the people who aren't in my support system confirm to me that I am weak. So I think that's also very important too. We have a lot of people in our circles, social circles, family circles, um, employment circles, but that doesn't always mean that just because they are present, that they're supportive. And I did a lot of work these past couple of years trying really hard to tell the difference. That's awesome. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Like you have to really curate your space um, specifically for people, you know, people that, you know, people that care about you um, and you'll see over time, you, you know, if, if you're the only one checking in, then, you know, that might be an issue because you don't want one sided friendships either. Um, you know, you're giving support and you're getting support. Um, but as we get to the end, um, I was just making notes of stuff. So strategies that I thought about when finding comfort and discomfort, um, process whatever happened, figure out how you're going to accept it and move on. Processing takes very, the time that it takes to process and accept something will vary by person. Um, but make, but make sure that you are doing that. Um, otherwise it's just going to come back. You can't ever run from your emotions. It will come back and it will be worse than before. Uh, second one, figuring out what is meaningful for you. Um, a lot of times, you know, social media will say like, oh, you're good at making this. You should sell it. Or, oh, you're d-. like, no, not everything has to be monetized. Some things you just do for you and that is okay. So figuring out what's meaningful for you and um, you know, keeping that as sacred as as much as you want or sharing it as a gift. It's totally your call. Um, third one, creating a supportive system that you for sure know that people that you can count on and not wait until you're in distress or there's a crisis. Um, using this group also when things are going well. Uh, and that's that also goes for networking. Sometimes, like, I'm big on energy. So when I meet someone and my and our energy align, like I keep that connection. Um, I may not ever see them in person, but I have access to them in other ways. And I keep just building my group. Um, and keeping in mind, like, you know, staying away from people that are toxic to your spirit and to your peace. And sometimes this is family. And if you have to just take yourself away from them for your well-being, that is also okay. You know, we are, we are usually kind of like told that oh you know and like family over everything except your peace and your mental health that comes before family uh so the next Amen one to that <laughs> the next one is just figuring out 
specific coping strategies that work for you. So like for me, writing is very healing to me um, because especially if I have prompts that I answer to, because I don't have to worry about like, what should I write? I'm just writing and it's, or taking care of my plans. So just finding little things that bring you peace, even if it's for one minute. Um, also figuring out what you are willing to sacrifice because that's going to be part of it too. Do I want to get paid very little and go to Harvard and set up myself for a good career? Or do I want to go to Chicago and work for 150K, but also kind of not do the things I want to do, right? So figuring out, like, am I going to just sacrifice money for the long term? Or am I just going to, like, get the money now and then figure that out after the fact? Right. I'm going to have to tell the University of Chicago that they need to bring you here so you can do a lot of good and pay you a lot of money. Can, well, I don't think any any other school is going to beat out Harvard, but we can try. Um, <laughs> also, no, in terms like, of the prestige and everything, that's for sure. And I just wanted to kind of quickly say, because I know you're going to wrap it up, but I've made a point, not every time, but I've made a point to address you as Dr. Combs. Uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Deanna Hooper, who's a uh, cosmologist, um, we... You know, she pointed this out to me in uh, in terms of uh, women doctors, whether they're MDs or PhDs. I know in the MD world, it's something like 64 or 74 percent of female doctors on rounds are addressed by their first name. And of course, everybody else, the, the male doctors are, you know, usually um, called doctor. So I'm doing it intentionally calling you a doctor because that needs to be something that, you know, it, it needs to be out there. Well, thank you for thank you for being thoughtful. Um, so the other the, the last two things that I thought about is maximizing your strengths and being willing to work on your areas needing improvement. And it's very important that you call them areas needing improvement instead of weakness because language matters. And a lot of times we we talk to ourselves so much, and most of the time it's, like, it's very mean the things we say to ourselves, the things we say to our bodies. Um, so just changing how you communicate with yourself and changing your language is, is a big deal. And then the last one, which is my favorite one, is just, just being patient with you. You know, like if you had a bad day or you didn't get a job you want or something's not working out, like that is okay. Like you are just one person. You are literally existing in a global crisis, almost World War Three. Like, like, you know. A lot is going on right now. So be compassionate with yourself. Like everything that you do for your friends, how you love them, how you care for them, how you motivate them, practice that with yourself too. And you, like it will, it will definitely make a difference. So thank you guys for being here. Uh, make sure, well, please follow me and I'll follow you back. Um, I really, really love having these conversations. I love talking to you. Um, so yeah so next week um we're going to talk about adulting with adhd um that's like something that drives me crazy all day every day because i'm one of those people and adhd is it's not even something i have it's it's just like who i am (laughs) as a person so (laughs) me too it should be a very interesting conversation um just like you know, how you maneuver the world as a newer divergent person that is, you know, your brain is just like completely different 
wired differently, we see and experience everything differently. So I hope you guys join me again. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking to everyone. Thank you, Dr. Combs, for letting me uh, hang out here with you. This was this was a blast. I look forward to uh, Sunday nights, and I hope everybody follows everybody and, 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 and just gets to know this amazing uh, human being who uh, I am very lucky to be able to call a friend. All right, guys. Have a wonderful night, and have a great week. Bye-bye.